Well, uh, I decided on, on Sunday that I was going to teach on a Christmas message tonight, and I was looking forward to it because uh, what I like to do when I prepare a message is just open up the Bible, figure out which chapter I'm going to speak on, and then just imagine I'm there. And, um, you know, I'll whisper to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me, help me. I wasn't there. This was 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. I wasn't there. You were there. That's right. Tell me about it. You know, tell me about it. What was going on? And, um, and I, I just want to share with you a few things that seem to kind of come to light as I was studying. Uh, Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to read a little chunk of scriptures here. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is, You're About to Be Surprised. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Raise your hand if you know where that comes from. Raise your hand if, it, real high if you know where that comes from. There you go. It's sad that half of the room is like, what in the world? When did I get old? Some of y'all been old forever, but when did I get old? <laughs> like, come on. It's not fair. I got gray in my beard. Have you seen the gray over here? I got gray. This has been gone. That's, that's, a, that's old. I got gray over here, Crystal. I can dye it. This is rough. It's Gomer Pyle. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, verse number 26, Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel. There's only three names of angels in the scriptures. There's Gabriel. Anyone want to guess the next two? And Lucifer. Very good. There's only three. Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Good on you, Sandy. Somebody give her $20. Go, Omar, choke it up. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Many theologians think Mary was about 14 years old at this time. Can you believe that? 14. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Everyone say, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Amen to that. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She had more wits about her than I would have. Somebody would have to be putting like salt under my nose and just... Has anyone here ever seen an angel? Raise your hand if you've ever seen an angel. You have, Cheryl? Wow, you have? Wow. All right, here we go. Don't be afraid... Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Everyone say, she found favor. If you're listening carefully, that's the second time the angel said, you're favored. We're going to circle back around to that in just a second. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. I want to talk to you guys tonight about uh, what it feels like, what it looks like to be favored by God. Um, and uh, there's surprises involved in being favored. And I want to discuss three surprises. It's Christmas time. It's always fun to be surprised at Christmas time. There's three surprises at the very first Christmas that still apply today. The very first surprise is God's favor is surprisingly full of favor. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Isn't that brilliant? Aren't you glad you came tonight? I mean, you can't find preaching like this just anywhere, you know? <laughs> you know, um, how many people here have has heard the story uh, about Mary and Joseph and Jesus? Raise your hand if you've heard the story, okay? Okay. Um, Let's just kind of think about this a little bit. You got this 14-year-old girl. She's engaged to be married. Um, she almost loses... Her, let's talk about everything that happened from the moment the angel showed up. She almost loses her fiancé. She's humiliated, so she's hiding. She's completely confused, her fiancé, we're just giving the Cliff Notes version, her fiancé sees an angel, he decides not to leave Mary, but they have to run. So for the next three years, they're literally running from the king that's trying to kill their baby. They're running for three years. Mary, let's just fast forward a little bit, Mary raises this son... It's the son of God. Like many of us don't even know how to raise kids to begin with. Try raising the son of God. <laughs> He's 12 years old. He, he leaves. He kind of runs away. And, and, and she goes to discipline him. What, where have you been? And, and he says, I've been about my father's business. And then she's like, my bad. <laughs> How do you raise the Son of God? Completely confused, on the run for three years. And then, according to most commentators, her husband dies at a young age. That's not in the Bible, but that's just according to history. There's other books other than the Bible that's historic. 
They say that Joseph died at a young age. And so now her son, when he turns 30, is running from place to place because he's always on the run. Because people don't like him. They want to crucify him. For three years, the poor mother is stressful out of her mind. And then her son dies crucified at 33. Now let's go back to the original words from the angel. You are favored. That's favor? If that's favor, I don't know if I want any. I think that's why the angel had to say it twice. Just in case she didn't hear it the first time. I think favor is defined by God a little bit differently than how we define it. I think we define favor as blessings and blessings and more blessings and blessings and more blessings. Right? I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, having read this story... And having seen how the other 12 disciples, how their life turned out, those favored ones, those chosen ones, all of them were killed with the exception of one, and one of them killed himself. The one that didn't die probably wished that he did. (laughs) There are some things that are worse than being killed. I'm not going to get into that. Well, let's get into it, just because some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. What would you rather? Live on an island of Patmos by yourself for years and years and years inside of a cave, and you can't get out? Or die and go to heaven? (laughs) I'd rather die and go to heaven. There's some things worse than being killed. So we got the favored one. Mary, you're favored. Disciples, you're favored. Maybe favor is not blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings. Maybe being favored is defined differently in God's eyes, in God's mind. Maybe being favored is you and I are going to work together. I've chosen you to express myself. I've chosen you to flow through you and out of you. I've chosen you. And we have to do what Jesus said. Count the cost before you build the house. Before we stand up and say, choose me. Before we say, I am a friend of God. Before we say, I want to be blessed and favored. Before we go off saying that kind of stuff. Just remember, favor doesn't mean what you think it means. So do you want to be favored? Uh, No. (laughs) I do not want to be blessed and highly favored. Are you with me? These are the moments where we back up and we go, wow, the, the favor of God is incredibly surprising. The very first Christmas, we've got to recognize that the favor of God is incredibly surprising and all of us have got to make the decision straight away. Do you want your life to be an instrument for the Lord? Where's your acoustic? Can I borrow it just for a second? 
you know, looking at me like I'm mad. <laughs> this is an instrument. If I use this instrument the way I want to, I can make whatever sound I want out of it. Do you want your life to be an instrument or do you want to use it for how you want to use it? For me, I can't speak for you. For me, if the Lord will take me and use me to make a sound... I'm willing to take all of my hopes, dreams, and desires and put them on the back burner. What this requires is for us to back up and say, when I know what the next right thing to do is, I'll do it. When I know what the next right thing is, What is the next right thing? If we can get addicted and be committed to doing the next right thing without even realizing it, we are being an instrument for him. If you are in an argument with somebody, what is the next right thing to do? If you are upset with someone, what is the next right thing to do? If you're standing in church and people are leading us in worship and you're in this room, what is the next right thing to do? Spectate or participate? What is the next right thing? That is being used by God. You know how we know that is God will breathe into us what the next right thing to do is. It's surprisingly, for those of us that are back up and go, man, life is difficult. Life is hard. You know what Peter says about this? In 1 Peter chapter, 12, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. I don't know what's happening to me. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you do. What's happening to me? It's the favor of God. (laughs) I feel like my whole life is falling apart. Yeah. Everything that I had planned is is gone. Yeah. But you don't understand. I was engaged. I loved him. It's not the first time. But what's going to happen? I don't know. Here's the thing. In order for God's plan to come together, our plan has to fall apart. Are you with me? Here's the other thing that uh, I, the the second surprise. Um, The angel looks at Mary and says, 
you are going to conceive. I ask myself, sometimes I ask myself silly questions whenever I'm reading the Bible. Um, I, anyone here ever been pregnant before? Okay. Um, did you need someone to come up to you and say, hey, you're pregnant? She said, no, but they do. <laughs> like, I was sitting there reading this, this passage, and I thought, okay, why did God find it necessary to send an angel to go tell her that she's pregnant? Why? Well, I got to thinking about it. Weird things are about to happen to this girl. My wife has been pregnant four times. We have three kids. She lost one. So I'm the oldest of four. I've watched my mom get pregnant many times. When women get pregnant, their hormones do... I know. (laughs) I got to tread carefully here. Uh, Omar told me that they're Omar. <laughs> well, I just there, there's there's thing. You know what I did is I, I actually while I was preparing this, I, I, I looked at our our chief of staff, Sarah Stevens, and she's across the hall. I said, Sarah, come over here, and and I pulled out my pen. I said, when you were pregnant with the two kids, t- tell me. Um, what started happening to you? She goes, oh man, it was crazy. I just started forgetting things all the time. I, had, I was forgetting everything. She goes, my mind's not clear. She goes, I, there was some food, there was foods that I used to love that I started hating. I, I would look at people like Todd, my husband, and say, why are you looking at me? Why are you staring at me? And then she goes, I started liking foods that, that are just gross now, like pickles and mayonnaise. I'm like, ah, blah, 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 blah. What, what else? She goes, she goes, things that are supposed to make me happy made me sad. She goes, I'd go to sleep at 8 a.m. and wake up and be exhausted the entire day. I'm always exhausted. I'm forgetful. I'm hungry. I'm all of these things. I'm just going crazy. This is what I think. I think that the angel had to show up and say, hey, what's about to happen to your body is going to be crazy. It's going to go crazy. Your body, your mind, your emotions is about to go nuts. Just know this. There's something happening in your spirit that you don't know about. What, What does that tell me? Point number two is that when you're favored, it is surprisingly difficult. When God is doing something in you, our flesh usually isn't cooperating. We, we get worried because we can't see what the Spirit is doing. Our minds think that things are out of control. Sometimes we think that we're forgotten. Sometimes we think everyone else is favored and we're not. We're the ones that uh, our physical bodies go against our spiritual body. It is surprisingly difficult. You get depressed. You get discouraged. All this 
and you're the favored one. I've, I've learned that my emotions are usually wrong. Has anyone lived enough life to where you're like, I, my emotions are usually wrong? Unless, have you ever been happy and you look at someone and you're like, am I supposed to be happy about this? But usually when I'm mad, I'm like, I, I, everything that's about to come out of my mouth right now is not going to be good. Every decision I'm about to make is not going to be good. I'll look at Allie and like, hey, you take the wheel. Then she'll make decisions that have a clear mind. And I think that she's the one that's lost her mind. Right? Our, our physical bodies are not ready for the spiritual journey. It's, it's incredibly difficult. And when we get around, uh, usually speaking, whenever we're going through something like that, our hope is low. I've talked about this before. You know Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, um, I will give you a hope and a future. Well, I've talked about this before, but for the sake of, of mentioning it for those of you that haven't heard it. As long as I've heard that scripture, I'm like, give me a future. Give me a future. And mentally, I kind of just kind of kind of go over the word hope. Like, I want a future, but I'm never like, God, give me, you know, a hope. You know what a hope is? Hope is having an expectation. I'm going to give you great expectation. I'm going to make you excited about the future that I'm preparing for you. So you can have a future prepared by God, but not have hope. You can be discouraged and down and depressed God's got your future, but you have no hope. For those of us that want to minister to people, you want to be an influence to people that you live life with. If you have a voice of hope, you will always have influence. People who have an encouraging outlook always have influence. You know, um, there, there's something about when our, our, our bodies are anxious and worried and afraid. If you're in the battle, if you're in it, you can win it. If you're in it, you can win it. If you couldn't win it, you wouldn't be in it. Somebody make a bumper sticker out of that. God has, God has a way of not letting you get into battles that you can't handle. You look at the children of Israel. Moses stood up in front of the children of Israel and he said, follow me. Over one million people followed Moses. They go out into the wilderness. They're supposed to go get the promised land. The promised land has people in it. That Moses sends spies out to the land to go see the people. They come back and they're like, they're giants, they're huge, they can't handle it. So God knows in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, you're still not delivered. I've delivered your body, I've, 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 I've saved you, you're no longer a slave. But up here, right here, 
you and I aren't on the same page. So I'm not going to send you into that battle because you're going to get waxed. You need to stay right here for 40 years until you get that rebellious spirit out of you. When that was out of them, then they were ready. Now, it's sad. More than half of I think all of them, with less than 10, they all had to die. Birthed into a whole new generation. But God would not send them into that promised land because they couldn't win that fight. They were rebellious. They doubted God. You cannot take what God has promised you when you're rebellious. You cannot possess what God has promised you when you are not leaning on him as your father. You can't say, I want your blessings, but I'm not going to follow you. That's not part of the deal. That's not part of the deal. You can't say, I'm going to worship other gods. I'm going to live in sin, but I want you to give me what you promised me. No, your heart is messed up. Your heart is messed up. Your spirit is messed up. And God says, no, 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 no. I love you too much to send you over there to get a blessing that you can't handle. Your spirit isn't ready. And plus, they're going to kill you. Gave them 40 years to get straightened out. God does not send you into battles that you can't handle. So if you're in it, you can win it. If you're in it, you can win it. It's surprisingly difficult. Now watch this. The angel looks at, the, at Mary and says, His name is Jesus. What's fascinating to me is that the angel tells Mary, You will conceive. So she isn't even pregnant yet. She hasn't, she's not pregnant. You will conceive. And his name will be Jesus. So before the season has ever even got there, all the details are already worked out. This, she hasn't even got there yet. Can I just tell you, you have not even woke up tomorrow morning yet and all of the details are already worked out. You haven't even woke up yet. Everybody say how old you are right now. One, two, three, go. Now tell the truth. One, two, three, go. Now think about how old you are next year. How, think about how, do you have to say it out loud? But think about how old you're going to be next year. Do you know that all the details are already worked out? They're already worked out. Now some of you might be saying, well, what? <laughs> what? Look what I'm going through right now. Don't tell me that God worked these details out. Here's the thing. God saw those details. If God was a bartender, he'd be the best. Yeah, tweet that. Because... (laughs) Don't make me laugh. I'm going to lose my train of thought. Yeah, no, that wasn't in my notes. God knows how to mix. He knows how to mix. He knows how to take this and this and this and this and this and this and mix it together. And then he says, all things work together for the good of those who serve me. He mixes it all. He mixes it all. So he takes a little bit of that and a little bit of this. Have you ever watched a bartender mix? He takes the most potent stuff and he just puts about this much in it. 
And then he goes, and fills up a whole bunch of stuff that's not that potent. Why? Because he knows how it needs to be mixed. Just the potent stuff alone can put you on the ground. But he's going to put a little bit of something else in it. Here's a better example. Much better example. (laughs) When you go to a doctor's office. (laughs) Much better example. And they take a syringe full of, of, of medicine. Inside that syringe, there's 40 different ingredients. If you take one of those ingredients out from the 40, just one of those ingredients could possibly kill you. But if you take that one ingredient and you mix it up with the others, it makes you healthy and strong. That's why the scripture says, all things work together for the good. You mean to tell me right now this is going to turn out good? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that what you're doing right now, plus what you're doing tomorrow, plus what you're doing yesterday, plus what you're going to do in 10 years from now, plus what you did 20 years ago, you take all of that and mix it together, and God's final product, you're looking pretty good, girl. That was better than the bartender one, wasn't it? Don't do the bartender one anymore. I told you, Omar, that one wasn't going to be good. He was like, do the bartender thing. That was you. The angel looked at Mary and said, Jesus, your son, is going to be very, very great. Here's the last and final point. What's in you? What God has promised you is surprisingly great. Why do I say surprisingly great? Because it doesn't look like it's going to be great when it's being introduced to you. Look what the scripture says. It says that she was confused and disturbed. Is there anyone here confused by the season that you're in? Is there anyone that's disturbed by the season that you're in? Is, am I talking to anybody here or is this just for me? It's okay if it's just for me. It, it's confused. So in a state of confusion and being completely disturbed, the angel says, he is going to be great. What is in you, Mary, is going to be very, very great. Surprisingly favored. Favor doesn't look like what we think it looks like. Favor looks like I want to live my life through you. It's not good time to good time to good time. This, this isn't good times. This isn't dynamite. This isn't good. This isn't good times. Okay, favor is not good time to good time to good time. Favor is having the privilege of having the king of the world choose you to take his spirit and to flow through you for the amount of time that you're on this earth. God has chosen you to express himself through. That's called being favored. Now, there is a, an enemy that in in the Bible, uh, I think it's in, it's in 1 Corinthians where it says, because a great door of opportunity has opened before me, an enemy 
has posed himself. Why is the enemy there? Because of the great door of opportunity. If there were no great door of opportunity, there wouldn't be an enemy. If you weren't favored, there wouldn't be any problems. Favored is being chosen. So you're surprisingly favored. But it's surprisingly great. Surprisingly favored. Surprisingly difficult. But surprisingly great. Great. 